everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. The Hour of Power. <laughs> Christian Talk Radio. No, it's called... Um, I'm K-Raj. It's called the Jesus Power Hour, which ironically is only half an hour. <laughs> hang out with Jesus because he hung out with you. No, and I hang was, out with me in the meantime. I'm really glad that you got that out of your system now. Okay. Because I was like, I was trying to figure out I was going to star in my recap when I thought you were going to say it. But you said it at the top. So now it's done. Stuck in traffic on your ride home? Well, Jesus died for your sins. I think it's probably a, that's very close to what we're dealing with. So let's let's tell the good people of um, our podcast, Radio Land, what we're talking about. This time we are back to imposters on ID Network because we enjoyed it so much. Yeah, and I think there's only a few episodes, so we have to do them all now, I think. I think we might. There's one that looks a little sad. Oh. I think they're all a little sad in their own way, but not not like murder sad. Not sad. This one was bizarre. Yeah. But not as fascinating as our hotel thief, and that might be me because I like heists, and this guy was not a heist guy. Right. Um, so, and I love fake men of cloth. And so you do. So this is for you. This is this one's for you. Yeah. We are talking about season one, only season, only season of imposters, episode four. And this episode is called In the Name of the Father. Do you know what that is? Do you know about the Holy Trinity? Yes. Okay. What is that? What's the Holy Trinity? It's when you go like this. Uh huh. Who are the people? God. Mm hmm. The Father. Jesus. His no. Son. Son. Yeah. Isn't that Jesus? Yeah. So. And the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Ghost. That's right. Done good. Okay. So a ghost or a spirit? I thought it was spirit. I think they are equivalent. Mm. Maybe different denominations say different things. Mm. We're not going to get too far into that because I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. We get in enough trouble. So okay. let's not get in that kind of trouble too. Okay. Uh, we opened this episode on Brian Richards. He is a passionate Christian DJ whose tagline is rocking the world for Jesus. Yeah. And something else that Brian is rocking throughout this entire episode, well, our reenactment Brian is, is a wig that makes me wish I had not already used the pun unbelievable a little bit ago because it is really truly unbelievable. It looks like Barbie hair in quality. You know, like a, a doll's hair? Well, because it is Barbie hair. That's synthetic hair. It's plastic. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And even I can tell. And that's coming from me. Well, and the thing is, there are synthetic mixes that don't look quite so plastic as his looked a lot like a while ago. There was a beauty supply store, a big L.A. beauty supply place that like does all the special effects for people. It's right down the street from you. They went out of business a, few, a little while ago before social isolation. And I purchased a bunch of wigs from them because the wigs were 80% off. So I made sure to like get a bunch of wigs for $2 each because I feel like it's good for me to have a mullet wig just in case. So now if anybody needs to borrow it, I've got it. Yeah, this that makes sense. His hair looks exactly like my my bag of hairs. Like my bagged wigs. Um, in it wasn't there a movie when um Andy Samberg played like a tennis champion? Uh huh. Didn't he look like Andy Samberg in a tennis champion? You think about what he looks like. Think about the wig in the bag that that wig would represent. If 
you were dressing up for Halloween as someone and you needed a wig, we went to a Halloween party with a person dressed as this. Jesus? Yeah, he looks like he's wearing a Jesus wig. But it was very curled. Like, the, it was long and curled in the back. Like, almost had spirals, ringlets. I don't know what that was. I feel like it was more of just like a subtle curl. You felt like it was more ringlets? I didn't in see In the that. back, specifically. But it was so fake that I thought that was part of the show. Oh. In that it was supposed to look fake. And that it when it was revealed that he was a fraud, mm-hmm. he, it, they were going to say even his hair was fake. And when he was arrested, he would pull off his wig. And so I thought that was coming. I was waiting for it. That actually kind of makes sense because the other thing that he's wearing throughout the episode and actually the real person also wore sunglasses all the time. Yeah, but like those um, 70s, well, one guy calls them drug, druggy sunglasses. He did. He said drug dealer sunglasses. So they look a lot like the fear and loathing in Las Vegas glasses. That's what they look like. Yes. Also a gold chain around his neck. Right. And a white. and a- Lots of sweatsuits. He's dressed like a mobster. He's dressed like if you were to dress as like what you thought a mobster would wear around the house, it would be like a velour sweatsuit, a chain, long hair and glasses inside. That's what he's dressed like. Yeah. It's not right? a great look. It's an interesting look. This, it was in a different time. No, it's not. Which it's we an... know because he has a Zach Morris cell phone. But the problem is this is only 1999. So it's not quite old enough for him to be doing this. Do you know what I'm saying? We're a little out of it. We're not in 1990. We're in 99. Yeah. So. Well, but in Canada. And, and on How I Met Your Mother, Robin famously said the 90s didn't come to Canada until like 2005. I don't know if that's true. I don't either, and that's not the exact quote, but it's something like that. <laughs> but you said so it when I said she famously said that, it was like I'm famously <laughs> paraphrasing what she said. Yeah. So it's 1999. Passionate Christian DJ Brian Richards is living in Los Angeles. He is a minister and a music manager, which we don't hear a lot more about that. I'm just going to let it go. I don't know what that means, and I don't think it's real. He is... Sadly lonely with his Holy Trinity, and he wants to add a fourth to the bunch. So he goes online and tries to meet himself a nice Christian lady. He meets Shelley Foster. She lives in British Columbia, and she is a nursing a nurse's assistant, and she's divorced. So she's very excited because she is from a very, very small town, as we come to find out. And Brian treats her very nicely, and he's very exciting. Because he's from the big city, he's from L.A., and he's a possible music producer, question mark. I thought he was the, just a DJ. No, they say he's a music producer. No, isn't everyone from L.A.? Right. That's, like every, that's also like everyone from L.A. is also a DJ. So neither of these things surprise me. But she's very excited with her new boyfriend, and he actually leaves the flashing lights of Los Angeles and decides to move to Smithers, her very, very, very small town with a population of 5,400 people and 19 churches. That's crazy. So that seems like a lot of churches for that few people. Um, It's a very small religious community and it makes me nervous when I hear that. And I feel really bad, but it does because I either think, A, the churches are all in 
bitter war with each other. That would be a fun reality show. TLC, I'm calling for you. It's either that, but I also feel like this is the kind of thing where you can't make a mistake in this town. No, then you just go to the next church. No, that's too small. That's what I'm saying. 19 churches is in 5,000 people is too small. People will know. They'll be like, oh, she left and now she's there. Did you? I mean, word will travel. It's too small. It's not big enough for it to like kind of dissipate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I come from a church hopping family. So I, I know from whence I speak. Regardless, Brian comes into town like a, like a bullet train heading for 40. And except a Chinese he's, bullet train. Chinese, like a Thank you, Canadian, please. Canadian bullet train heading for 50. He, everyone thinks he's a really likable guy. The reenactment we're seeing of him makes him seem like the most irritating guy. So yeah, I did not get likable at all. No. I would I would actively move away from him if he sat down in my pew. Yeah. I would turn my back on God and walk out of that church if he sat in my pew. So Brian is 100% the kind of guy that would come and sit by you, put his hand on your knee, like, and not think a thing of it. Like, yeah. maybe you didn't want to be touched, wouldn't care because he's filled with God's love. So he'd put the hand on the knee mm-hmm. and say, hey, I've been thinking about you all week. How's your walk with God? Oh, my God. Right. Did that make you sweat? Because it makes me sweat to even say it. Yeah. Because that happened to me so many times. I can't even tell you. And I just want to be like, good. How's your dead mom? Because it's like that personal of a question. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, don't. And he's that guy that's like, I can ask. Everything's on the table, man. I'm an open book. (laughs) That guy. Yeah, see, I know it gives you a bad reaction, but that's the kind he's basically doing like whirling high fives where he's like windmilling and like giving, do you know what I said? He's that, he's, he's very charismatic with like a capital C where he's trying to be charismatic. So, but people like him because they're also from a small town. So they think that he's like, you know, he's this new kind of Christian. So mm-hmm. they've been doing the same thing all their lives that he blows into town like a whirlwind with his hair and his sunglasses and his velour sweatsuits mm-hmm. and his chest hair. And they're, that's it. He's the Messiah. So one person is not that impressed with Brian Richards, and that is Pastor Don Richmond. Pastor Don is not into the new hot guy. He uh, immediately is extremely judgy and says, I mean, who wears sunglasses to Sunday morning service? And with the che- with the shirt unbuttoned down to show the chest with the chain. I mean, I mean he- he's not wrong, but it comes off like sour grapes. And he's a pastor. And you're not supposed to judge by looks. You're supposed to judge by works alone, I'm pretty sure, Pastor Don. Not by your physical appearance. Yes, ye be judged. Okay. It's very not okay. Because in the temple, we just judge people on what they're wearing. <laughs> That's just... There's like a little sheet that it gets passed around. Uh-huh. It's a rating Instead system. of a collections plate. It's like Joan Rivers Fashion Police. Oh, good Lord. But Pastor Don is not impressed and sees quickly that Brian is becoming a big fixture in his church. He's also becoming a big fixture in the gym because apparently Brian has like a large upper body mass. He's one of those workout guys that yeah, they it's, they must have really wanted this actor because yeah. that's the one part that they keep referring to and mm-hmm. he de- he is not a big guy 
Mm-hmm. And so I felt like they've some they must have really wanted this actor for some reason. I'm sorry. Was he also supposed to be a belt guy, or was he supposed to just be a big guy? I I kept getting One confused guy said on wrestler, that. Wrestler, pro wrestler. But that's confusing because some of those guys are like big and muscly, and some of them are just big. I think they meant big and muscly. Oh, you think so? Yeah. But he didn't. They, he, they said huge upper body, like one of those Hulk action figures with the little legs. But they didn't say that. They said huge upper body. They didn't say huge. They said big. That's the same thing. Big is a is a synonym for huge. And then another person said pro wrestler. Hmm. Okay. And then when we see the guy's picture at the end, I was like, oh, he's a large guy. He's built. He's like Lou Ferrigno. See, and I just thought that he was just kind of hefty. No. Otherwise, he's spending all that time. Well, they did say he only spent a little bit. No, he doesn't work out. Yeah, it's mostly schmoozing. I think that, I think he's just kind of big, but works out so that he has. But he had a poster on the wall that said the Ten Commandments of Fitness. It was the Seven Commandments of Fitness. Tell me you wrote them down. The, The first one was that we shall, or thou shalt lift weights. Are you serious? I swear. But that's the only one that I could see. It's like that plain. It's not yeah. clever at all. It's not clever at all. Really? Yeah. I'm super disappointed. Okay. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing this weekend. Making a new <laughs> Seven Commandments of Fitness. And you're the best one to do that. I, who better? Yeah. So Brian decides to start fundraising for his radio ministry. He has decided that he is going to be creating the Christian power you said jesus power hour power hour for jesus jesus power hour jesus power hour what he needs to do is he needs to buy airtime i guess to broadcast the show apparently that's how it worked in the late 90s i i didn't know that i didn't know you had to pay for that yourself but i guess that's how you get started Mm. so he starts to put together the show and also starts working on another business venture which is creating timeshare properties. Because whenever somebody says timeshare properties, I never, ever think it's a scam. No. Ever. Not ever. And whenever I think of a radio Jesus, I automatically think of timeshare properties. I feel like the two are synonymous. Hand in hand. For decades. Since Jesus. I think Jesus sold the first timeshares. Oh, yeah. In Galilee. Yes. He did. Mm-hmm. It was on the Salton Sea. I, that's not, I'm making up. I don't know where actually what, where the seas are there. <laughs> that sounded good. Yeah, it did, though, didn't it? I don't know. Nezabaya? Some, some of the properties are on one side of the Red Sea, and then others are on the and other side. And then others side. on the over. Yes, it was parted. When Moses parted them, there's definitely the good side. And then it's like West Egg and East Egg from Great Gatsby. There's like a, a less desirable Red Sea side. Regardless, he is decided that he is going to buy up these properties. He's he's renovating these properties on the Grand Isle, which I feel like we're supposed to know what that is. And I feel like I've heard it. I don't know what it is, if it's a city or an area or what Grand Isle is. But it sounds lovely, like all places in Canada. Yeah. Um on the shores of the Babine Lake, which also sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. That sounds like there's baby deer running around mm-hmm. the lake all the time. They were. Were there? Before but, all these people started hunting there. Do you think they're hunting deers? I think that we're in moose country, but I could be wrong. I think they're hunting everything and fishing. 
Yeah, they're definitely fishing because it's on a lake. And I meant specifically the people in this episode. Yes, there are a few people in this episode that hunt. That's the point of the timeshare is because it's on this gorgeous, serene plot of land that is great for Christians that live in the big city that just want some time away in the country. Also a great place for people who happen to be hunting or fishing enthusiasts. So he uses his Christian contacts in L.A. to get the word and in town. They're not clear to get his the word out about his timeshares. And people are kind of interested because he talks a pretty good talk. He's a good talker. I would not be interested the minute I saw a windmill high five, but to each their own. They'd maybe never seen a windmill high five before. So they were like, oh, that's the new L.A. cool move. Right. See, he's kind of got everyone eating out of his hand because they don't know because they've no one there's ever been to L.A. probably. And then they get to L.A. and they're like, I don't even know what's going on because the city is so spread out that there's can't even tell. So people of Canada, you're not missing much. You're not. So Pastor Don is still pretty annoyed with Brian. He kind of never gets over that. I don't know why I said still. He's always annoyed with Brian. He says that Brian and Shelly are setting a bad example because they're living together in sin. They're not married. They're eating dinner over a pan of fish that is on fire unexplicably. Are you talking about the restaurant scene that they show there? Why do they kiss like that in that scene? Why do they stand up from either side of the dinner table and start making out in a triangle? like With with undulating. Yeah. They're moving their bodies in such a way that they should be seated, not standing. And there's a pan of fish that is on fire, like a flaming plate that a waiter maybe just set down. But they're fully making out and there's fire. It's passionate. This His is hair supposed... could catch on fire and that is synthetic. That will go up. They had multiples of those wigs because he was going right through them because they probably started smelling because he's wearing velour the whole time. He's wearing like jackets a lot of the time. So, yeah, it's going to sweat right through that. They, But they are living together in sin over their flaming fish. And she is in charge of the church's drama program. So Pastor Don is not having it and tells her very dramatically and unnecessarily that she needs to make a choice between being with the church or being with Brian Richards. And she leaves the church. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of lame. And I was a little bit irritated because I just, there were some, some of the interviews that we're getting tell us that, you know, he was, it was a little bit much, like mm-hmm. he was taking it a little far. And I a hundred percent agree. You don't yeah. get to do that. They felt like it was he was just doing it because he has a grudge, not because he would actually do that to any other couple. And at this point, we don't really know what his grudge is besides the fact that he just has a bad feeling about Brian. That's literally what his grudge he's is. he's jealous because I think he used to be the hot pastor that all the ladies wanted to set their sons up with. But now there's this new hot flash in the fish pan pastor. I think it was just jelly. I think it was pure jelly. I think you might be right. I'm glad you thought so, too. So after one month of being in Smithers, Brian Richards has enough money to start his. I keep writing Christian power hour, but you say Jesus power hour, Jesus power hour, Christian power hour. I I think it's the Christian power hour because that sounds better. Okay, but it might 
I could be wrong. But the but, most important thing about it is that it is ironically only half an hour. Which is what we find out right now. Which is, I feel, what's he, what's he going to say, though? Is he going to say, no, I already had all this stuff printed. We're just going to write in half or 0.5, <laughs> like in parentheses <laughs> after. Is that what they're going to do? They're going to fraction it? Yeah, like, how gonna, are they going to do underneath, that? Underneath, they're going to draw a line and the two underneath it. And that's it. That's the logo. They take all the signs and draw that on there. If he was really smart, what I think he would say is, we've got a half an hour of worship. We're going to worship for a half an hour. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about the book. And then the second half hour of the Christian Power Hour is for prayer. He, the, uh, the radio station may have sold the second half hour to someone else. It could have been blasphemy. You, no, you turn it off, Kimberly, and then oh, you I pray. Oh, I meant the prayer. You were supposed to listen to the quiet radio, the dead air for half an hour. N- no, you're supposed to just, you're supposed to turn it off and then reflect and pray on the message, the words of the day. But he also played good old Christian rock and roll. They're called praise songs. We've talked about those. They're so we're using projector. rock and roll really loosely. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Michael okay. W. Smith, maybe. I think my, I don't know. I'm My work husband, Greg, made me a mix once and it was. Was good. Michael W. Smith on it? I'll check. I'm sure. Greg- he made you a mix? Uh-huh. I liked it. Okay. We got to, we got to press on here. I don't have time to get a into CD that. A CD mix. It was good. So he's doing his Christian power half hour. He's amazing. He's rocking the world for Jesus. And his sign off is what's going to be our new sign off, which is, hey, I'll see you next week. The Lord doesn't return first. That's also Lori Fallow and Chad Daybell sign off. Oh my goodness, yeah, it is. Right? Is that what he's saying? Is or is he? He's. I. Th- I didn't get. That's what I didn't get. If it was like, if he was saying like, if I'll see you first, unless unless I, I thought, kill you. Yeah, I thought it was like <laughs> unless death comes and gets me. And he was meant more in like a Grim Reaper type sense. No, no. He's saying if the Lord doesn't come back that first. I thought that was the other option. So, okay. Mm-mm. This is the rapture option. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of a mouthful. It doesn't really flow off the tongue. No, it's so not catchy. Not not that great. So now we have a new character who is Mike Polito. Mike <laughs> Polito hears about Minister Brian Richards and doesn't really care about the Christian Power Hour, but very much is into his timeshare properties. Are you in a strange beef with a local hippie preacher and fear your life is in danger? Or are you investing in timeshare properties that may or may not exist and Uh you're not sure who you can trust? Then Fidelius might be right for you. If something happens to you, like happens to many people on every dateline, how will the right people get access to your information and important documents? Fidelius lets you create these online vaults where you can store your estate planning, your medical records, your insurance, investments, important grown-up type papers. Ooh. You customize what vaults these things go into. Then you pick key holders who will want to have access to your vaults if something happens to you in case of an emergency. But this is a two-step process. So then you pick guardians who get to approve or deny the key holders access because Dateline viewers know that you can never fully trust anyone. You never know totally who you're married to. So let's say you have your spouse or your business partner as your key holder. You might pick your parents or a trusted friend as your guardians who get to decide when and if the key holders have access to your info. 
It's Love it. incredibly smart. It's also incredibly affordable. And there's a free 21-day trial period with no credit card required. So Ooh. our listeners get 30% off their first year or lifetime membership. Again, really affordable prices. And you get 30% off. Go to FideliusVaults.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-I-U-S vaults.com and enter code DATELINE at checkout. Uh, Check them out, you guys. You're going to be hearing a lot about this company. It's a really, really smart idea. And it's something I think everyone should have because you can never trust anybody. So basically, you get to be Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters is what you're telling me. I get to go talk to the gatekeeper. Correct. That's all I want in life. Okay. Thank you, Fidelius. Thank you, Fidelius. We're so excited. So Mike Polito, Mike says that he called Brian and Brian immediately makes you feel right at ease. And he like does that thing where he slips in a Bible verse. So he'll do that Bobby Hill thing that praise him Mm -hmm. kind of talk like Mm -hmm. where you're you're slipping it in really casually. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah, it just made me think the other day about Ephesians. Do you remember Ephesians? Do you remember in that book when? Yeah. And that's. I don't, I don't like that. Because then all of a sudden your conversation is going in a way you didn't expect. But remember, this is the kind, Brian is targeting Christians. He's going out through his Christian network mm-hmm. to find Christians to finance his businesses. That's so, not right. Christians do a lot of bad stuff, but they don't deserve that. Everybody That's does a lot right. of bad stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the reasons that it seems that like Christians do is because Christians sometimes do it and try to cover it in the name of God. And that's the problem. No, I more think the ones that are the ones that do bad stuff that I'm talking about are the ones that are vocally very pious and then do the opposite, like do the murder. Absolutely. But people who believe in things, that's just a really crappy thing to target those people because, you know, they're going to try to give you the benefit of the doubt and be charitable. Ideally, that's horrible. Now I don't like him. Why Before we liked, I thought it was fun, and now I'm mad. I think it's why we liked that hotel one a little bit, because he's targeting rich people. Right, who cares? And so, and he didn't seem like he was spending a ton of the money, because he lived in a really bad flat. So you're like, what? what's going on with him? But this guy is just a dirtbag. And then now he's using Chris, Christians to get his dirtbag stuff done, which is not great. So, meanwhile, as his timeshare relationship with Mike Polito is growing his relationship with pastor don is deteriorating into dust because pastor don is becoming more and more paranoid he is very worried they say that his flock is getting fleeced that's quite a statement so his facial hair was getting fleeced he had the thinnest little wispy facial hair i've ever seen the real one or the reenactment the reenactment looked like it was like a wispy mustache of like your 12-year-old cousin who's just hit puberty and it's super awkward. That kind of wispy mustache. And he looks like, um, what's his name from The Office? Uh, Gabe from The Office, the guy in Silicon Valley. Um, I love Gabe, though. I love Gabe. Oh, you do? Like, as a as a person, you know him? Or like, as a... No, I just like him. Oh, in The Office, you do? Yeah. You might be the first person I've ever heard say that. I, I think he got a bad rap. I think he dressed up like Lady Gaga for Halloween. Yeah, that was And he tried to teach Kevin some of her dance moves. And I think he really liked Aaron and he liked horror movies. He just (laughs) kind of forced her to watch them. That's the only bad thing. And he didn't really stand up to Joe 
but he really wanted Joe's approval. The temp at night, the temp at night. Do you remember that? When he sends around the scavenger hunt? Oh, yeah. And they go into Daryl's office. Pick it up, take it out. Pick it up, take it out. Okay. As Pastor Don becomes more and more paranoid, he starts to follow Brian all around town. And here is when we get maybe some of the best reenactmenting um, in my short life. Yeah. No, that I've ever seen. And I, all I wanted to do was see what you thought about it. Because he's creeping in. A, there's three. Literally. Mm-hmm. Like literally the human embodiment of Bugs Bunny trying to evade Elmer Fudd. <laughs> like, but he's a person doing it. Or like a Pink Panther type thing. Like you'd hear the Pink Panther music. And he's literally tiptoeing like this with his hands up like in claw position. And he's high stepping his knees up as he's tiptoeing. And then he'll see something and he'll go and like duck down. And like it's the most obvious. But like it has to be on purpose. Like they must have been having a lot of fun with it on set. Uh, they don't they don't try to make this episode more serious than it needs to be, which I liked about it. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, because this is not like an actor trying to do a serious like stakeout scene. He's fully acting like if you were in an improv scene and you were like, hey, you're spying on that person. It's a comedy improv. That's how the person would do it. Right. And you're not really that concerned about getting caught because it doesn't seem like he's that. You're making yourself bigger with your movements, in fact. And the bushes. Yeah. He's like peering over the top. Over the butt. Yeah. Like over the. Yeah. And then going back down. But what's weird is later on, there's a guy with a gun who's actually spying on the pastor. He's doing it like realistically, like popping his head. And then when the pastor pops his head up, he pushes his head down really fast, like he's in Lethal Weapon or something, doing a stakeout. But this guy, this pastor spying on the other pastor, is doing it for comedic effect. It was really funny. This is like small town spying. Yeah, it was hilarious. It's also there in Canada. So everyone's like super nice. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's like on Full House. If you told Michelle you're spying on Stephanie because she has a boy over. Uh huh. And that's what Michelle would do. She'd be like, you got it, dude. And then that's how she would pretend to spy. But with like a glasses, a hat and newspaper. Yeah. And like peering over the side yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we get some really really awkward spying but it's not just that he's spying and following him he's also telling anyone that brian associates with anyone that he talks to that he thinks that uh brian richards is dangerous so pastor don is kind of smack talking him Mm -hmm. around town Mm -hmm. as well as not leaving him alone so brian clearly has had enough and starts to badmouth Pastor Don on his radio show. So it's basically, they keep saying it's a game of cat and mouse. Carol Baskin and the Tiger King. Exactly. At like the nicest level because these are Canadian Christians. So you couldn't get nicer folk. I think like literally the town just goes to bed at eight o'clock. I think this is the nicest place on the planet to live. And it looks beautiful because Canada's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So again, Lake Babine. Come on. It's adorable. So he starts bad-mouthing him on the radio show. And Pastor Don, in turns, starts to look into trying to get dirt on Brian Richards, basically. And finds out that he has been offering a charitable write-off if you donate to his radio show. But Pastor Don knows that you can't get a charitable... Like, 
Brian Richards would not be able to give that because he doesn't, he's not a Canadian citizen. He's, mm. he's American. So he can't do that. He can't offer that. Also finds out that Brian Richards and Shelley, the reason that he moved to Smithers, they broke up. Mm-hmm. They broke up after a couple of weeks and it didn't go very well because Brian was quote unquote controlly. Yeah. And Shelly's crying. Yeah. In a, we, another humorous way. And the pastor that's doing the stalking is has a bulletin board and he puts up Pastor Brian's name with a question mark. And he's like, has no red string and no other facts. He has nothing, but he has a bulletin board and he's hoping to turn it into a collage. What's going to happen if, like, the archdiocese comes and sees that on a bullet? Sorry, they'd be like, I don't think you are obsessed with this other pastor. Yeah, they'd send him away to Bible camp. They'd be like, you got to go. You have to go into whatever prayer, prayer warrior weekend. Yeah. But it lasts a month. Because that has to be a sin, obsession with your yeah, neighboring pastor. Sh- um, it's a, not only is it a sin, it's a commandment. Thou shalt not covet. Your neighbor's pastor a problem. So Pastor Don then decides to contact the Assembly of God Church, which is where Brian Richards has been saying it's a denomination. It's where that Don said or Brian says that he is a um, he's a minister through. It's where he got his whatever his license. It's not a license. I don't know what it is. But of course, the church in Missouri, the head office has no record of Brian Richards anywhere. So that's great fodder for Pastor Don, because he can tell that to everybody. And now we get the final um, spying moment when we meet Pastor Dwayne, who is kind of, he's a pastor at a different church, and he's basically just trying to keep the peace between Brian Richards and the the Bloods and the Crips. Pastor Don, right. The two pastors of the warring factions. So of the old Christianity and the new. It's like the Sharks and the Jets. But instead, it's the mm-hmm. lobes and the fishes. Oh, that's good. And the fish is Brian Richards because he's fishy and because of the flaming fish flaming on the plate. Flaming fish on the plate, yeah. There we go. So Pastor Dwayne, who's extremely nice, having breakfast with Brian at a restaurant, and we get the best spying, which is literally Pastor Don peeking up through the window of the restaurant, like over his shoulder, going back down and then sees that he's been spotted. And we hear the actor playing Brian Richards go, see what I mean? And the pastor comes in the restaurant and goes to the candy machine and just starts fiddling. Like, you know, one tr- of those. Yeah, little, like he's going to put a gum, like a penny in for a gumball. Not more like he's trying to see if anybody left any quarters in it. He's just sort of fiddling with it, like to see if he can break it. I want the owner of the restaurant to come he over. He took and like, an improv class or an acting class. And they said, you need busy work to do with your hands in a scene. You need something to do in the scene. When in reality, I do think that the manager of the restaurant will come over and say, hey, can I help you out there? <laughs> so Pastor Dwayne's had enough of this nonsense. He wants Brian Richards and Pastor Don to sit down and have like a drag out fight. Just sit down and hash this out because enough is enough. I thought they were literally going to fight because they kept making it sound like a rumble. Like pastor Thunderdome, two pastors enter, one pastor leaves. And then it, it turns out it's just a meeting across from the table each other. Let me tell you why you felt so like confused. that can i tell you why because pastor the real pastor don is making it seem 
first of all, this is by far and away the most dramatic thing that has ever, ever happened in his life. So he is making it seem like he was about to be murdered. He was about to be tortured in the basement. I was rolling my eyes so hard at him because they keep doing the reenactor. And I'm like, oh, he's being funny about it. But then they cut to the real guy who's like, I felt like my life was in danger. I didn't know what was who I got myself into. And then at one point he says, there was just too much cat and mouse, too much shadow boxing, too much smoke and mirrors. I was like, those are three things. And he wrote them all down. You picked every phrase that you could. What's an idiom? Can I find it? Can I can I take a bunch of them and put them all together? And now Make you blew them all like you were scared. He blew it in one go. One shot. He blew his wad. You can't. He did. You can't. He blew his idiom wad. You cannot use them all at once, Pastor Don, because then what? He kept implying that how dangerous this man is. And I was like, there's been no indication that he's dangerous, except that he like is big, big guy that works out a lot, but he doesn't really. Sunglasses at night. Yeah. And at morning service. It's. Yeah, it's really... You never... Because these reenactor shows and then you meet the real people, you usually... They usually want you to like the real people. And you usually do like the real people or you're at best ambivalent to them. Mm -hmm. But this guy, right away I was like, "You're, you're just... Something's off. Something is... I get why people wanted to go to this other guy's church and he's terrible. They didn't even want to. He wasn't even starting a church. He was just starting a radio show. They were just listening to him on the radio instead of going to church, maybe. But think about it. So if you're in a town that small and there's 19 churches, the churches are in some kind of competition. Unfortunately, this big charismatic guy came into your church, which you're holding on to by a thread, and you somehow worked your way to the top of that ladder, and you are just hanging on and trying not to fall off that ladder, and someone is coming to the bottom of your ladder and shaking the crap out of it. Yeah. So to him, it was life and death. Do you know what I'm saying? That's how important this seemed to him. That's the feeling I get. I think he really thought that guy was going to shoot him or something. And I kept thinking, this episode's going to end in murder. So did I, but he makes it more important because he has to also give some validity to how weird he was (laughs) following him around town and bad-mouthing him. And he's a pastor. You're not really supposed to bad-mouth people. How do you think he feels after seeing this episode and seeing what the reenactor was doing? Totally justified because he's worked it. Did you not hear him talking? He's worked it out in his head that he like knew all along and God showed him like what the truth about Brian Richards early. But the funny spying. That. Oh yeah. He probably was mad about that. (laughs) It was like, it wasn't really like that. It wasn't like that. The actor that they picked to play him also. it. You know that every single person in town talked to him about it. Yeah. Every person in town saw this episode. This is like their town's claim to fame. Yeah. Smithers. Oh, my goodness. I want to go. I want to do a road trip to all the places that have been featured on ID channel shows. Not all of them. Have you seen all the swamp shows? No. No. We'll do that next. Okay. Anyways, moving on. The peaceful meeting takes place in a church in Pastor Dwayne's church. Don is saying that over and over, he didn't know how dangerous Brian was going to be. He didn't know what was going to happen. And um, 
he got himself basically the burliest deacon in his church. Like this a, was my favorite. To bring to the meeting. And while he's getting his burly deacon, are you talking about no, Brian Richards? He's literally in the, mirror? In the church oh. speaking from the podium. Is that what it's called? The pew? No, that's where you sit. What's the podium? And The pulpit. Okay. And he is looking at the men in the church and mm-hmm. he's saying he needs the biggest muscle guy because he's scared. And so he goes from congregant to congregant, mm-hmm. squeezing their upper arm muscles as any pastor does to the people in their church. That's not weird. And squeezing them. And then he gets to the last guy who looks like he should be married to Teresa from New Jersey Housewives. Mm-hmm. And he squeezes his arm and he picks him. He's like, you're my guy. You're coming with me. He's feeling up everyone in the church to try to find the muscliest guy. It's Hunger Games. It's time. He needs to find the most valuable tribute. But meanwhile, we also have Brian Richards yelling at himself in the mirror and basically doing that like head knocking thing. Yeah, you he's know, talking you, himself like, up like, come on, like Robert De Niro. Why are you talking to me, Pastor Don? Doing his like psych up speech. doing like taxi driver. Yeah, or like. Jack Donaghy in 30 Rock doing his like psych up speech before he goes out and talks. It's really good. So at the meeting, it's really uneventful. Literally nothing happens. They sit and talk and have a war of words and they're like sparring Bible verses. Basically. Did that scene feel like it was dubbed? Like it looked- well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I think it wasn't supposed to be like exactly on the words, was it? I think so because it's a TV show. Oh, it just seemed more artistic. I thought it was like partial. Was an artistic choice then? That's what I thought. Okay, that's yeah. That's let's say that. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Why did it seem dubbed? Yeah, or like it wasn't matching up what they were saying, or the voices had been done at a different time. Someone was watching the video and then doing feedback like ADR. But maybe the sound got messed up. That happens, then you can't go back and do the scene again because one of the actors is already gone. Who knows? I don't know what happened. I'll go back and look, but I just thought it was more stylized than that. I didn't even really notice. That makes sense. It's an action scene. It is an action scene in in that there is no action. Nobody fights. They just argue and argue and argue and ends with Pastor Don demanding to see Brian Richards' credentials and Brian Richards telling Pastor Don that he he thinks he's jealous. That's it. You're so jealous. I'm surprised you didn't say because I have a fuller head of hair than you which was true. I wonder if he did, because God has blessed me with the hairs of a thousand Samsons. So meanwhile, back in California, Michael Polito is excited about his purchase of a timeshare from Brian Richards. He's so excited that he's pulling out his biggest hunting rifle. Yeah, he's getting he's going. Unfortunately, he gets a call that makes him a little nervous. Another timeshare owner calls him serendipitously right after he signs this partial owner paperwork that Brian Richards has sent him over and this other timeshare owner is calling him to warn him and saying something isn't right here. I don't know. I think we're getting taken for a ride. So Mike Polito gets in his plane, car, what have you, and gets his rear up to Smithers, Canada. He doesn't go alone. He takes his girlfriend, Tawny. His new girlfriend. Not sure why we had to know that. I'm not sure why we had to know new either. Um, also, felt like Tawny, extraneous information. Tawny, though, she did not look like a Tawny. 
She didn't. I'm glad you thought so, too. Katane? Unless that's exactly what I thought. I was like... Hard. Tawny, and I was expecting a very young lady to walk out, someone inappropriately young. And then I remember that he's going after Christian people, so probably Tawny should be age appropriate. And she was. Christian people can have third wives that are much younger as well. Yeah. So anyways, Tawny. Tawny is the the one with some good darn sense. Excuse my French-Canadian. But she is. So Brian Richards is not what Michael and Tawny expected at all. Mike says that he's a really big guy with lots of hair, drug addict sunglasses, and basically looks like a W, like he used to be a wrestler for the WWF. Okay. So they're not like super jazzed when they see him. They think that, uh uh-oh, who is this con man? Which is good. But then he doesn't help his case at all. Brian doesn't because they're meeting at breakfast and he orders like a mountain of food. They said he, they ordered like 12 eggs. Um, no, half a dozen. Oh, was it half a dozen? Um, like three or four different kinds of meats, like a meat plate. So like sausage, bacon. Four pounds bacon. of meat, it looked like. Four pounds of food, it looked like. I don't remember. What else was there at A breakfast? huge pile of potatoes on a separate plate, like a mountain. And it was like four pounds of food. So like potato mountain and then proceeds to like eat it all. And Mike's thinking, well, you're going to have a heart attack. I don't know how you can eat like that. Or, you know, you're going to work out later. Are you trying to bulk up for something? And he's just like, no, breakfast is just my big meal of the day. We think he ordered all that because he's starving, right? Because he's not making any money. Is that what we think? I mean, why did he I didn't actually understand that. But now that could make sense is... Which person, wouldn't he be treating, though? This investor has flown up to meet with him. Wouldn't he be treating? I have no idea. I I assumed not because he ordered so much. I thought he was on drugs of some sort, and that is causing some, he's on amphetamines or something. That could be. I sort of did, was waiting to hear something like that, and we don't hear that in this episode, and I feel like we would. Mm -hmm. So after they eat their mountainous breakfast, they go and look at the units that are supposedly under renovation for the timeshare. And they are a lot smaller than Mike was expecting because there's like a website where he sort of checked them all out and they're kind of run down. Mike keeps giving Brian the benefit of the doubt because Brian's saying they're under renovation, they're being remodeled. Um, Basically, Mike Mike is ignoring Tawny, who keeps telling him, I have a really bad feeling about this guy. I don't think this guy is any good. Something is wrong here. And believing everything that Brian Richards is saying. And I really hope that Tawny, when this went bad, like gave him a what to and was like. A what for? Yeah. Maybe next time you'll listen to me. Yeah. Because she really did I don't know if they're still together. I, I, this would break me up. I don't, can't, if, what well, I, we need to know exactly how much he lost and how much of his fortune it was. But. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the kind of man who wants to lose anything, even if he could afford to lose it. It's more of a pride thing. Yeah. But I still liked him. I did like it. He wouldn't listen to poor Tawny. But we, Tawny only said that once or she only squeezed his leg in the diner. Squeezes his leg in the diner and then tells him again before he signs the papers. Oh. And then he signs them anyways. And then tells him again after the signing of the papers. Brian literally put his hand gently, except firmly, on his hand and like started the signature. Did you see that in the in the reenactment? 
hand I did. over hand, basically forcing him to sign. I will say this. You know when they say at the beginning that some things have been dramatized? I think that. I don't think. I think, like, they... They take everything that like was like a vague figure of speech, and then yeah. the reenactors like do it full on. Like that's, that's exactly right. That's what happened. My hand was forced, and they were like, "Oh, his hand was forced." Okay. And that guy, that actor, heard con man. It was like, "I got this." So the next day, Mike and Tawny are supposed to have a guided tour of the Babine Lake, and I'm saying guided tour. They, he uses air quotes. Yeah. And one of Brian Richards' associates, Jimmy, comes to take them out on the lake. But the boat that's in the picture of the website is like a totally different boat than what they get. The boat they get is basically a dinghy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the picture on the website is like on I- beyond um, below deck. It's like a. It's not, it's not a yacht, but it's definitely like a boat that has a motor yes it's and a, like has a fancy yeah. name painted on the side there aren't oars yeah. on the boat on the website so they start tawny and mike are smart and start sort of asking jimmy tell us a little bit what's up with brian richards should we trust him etc and jimmy says i can't say too much but there is someone else you should talk to and so they go to see the owner of this local who I guess I didn't really understand this, but she regularly books hunting trips for Brian. So I think Brian takes clients hunting when they come and sh- they use her lodge as like a respite. I don't know. Because so, his place isn't ready yet. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's probably she like gives them dinner and oh, who knows. So she tells Mike and Tawny the same thing that Jimmy did, which is you kind of want to be careful with him. Um but she doesn't give like specific no information. No one will just tell them because I don't think anybody knows. They just know something is off. So now Mike is really, really nervous. Like I'm about to lose this money. So he starts trying to get a hold of Brian. But of course, Brian is unavailable for Mike and Tawny's last day in Smithers, and totally avoids them until they get on the airplane and fly back to California. Now, to make everything worse, when Mike and Tawny get back home. That investor from before calls back. He's super mad and says, Brian doesn't even own this timeshare property that you just bought. So you just bought it from him, but he doesn't own it. The government owns the property. Mm-hmm. It was ex-military housing during the Cold War. So Mike is... Wouldn't that lady know that? The one who owned that lodge next door? I feel like she should have said something. Is she on the take? I Something's not... But they didn't. But they still have morals. Her and Jimmy—they're working for him. They're basically complicit in this. But they want to get feed their conscience by being like, "Wink, wink. You should check him out." But I can't say anything. This is a nineteen churches. They're stuck. They want to follow the Lord and the Lord's path. But the Lord's path has also put Brian in their path, which means they are supposed to be dealing with Brian. I see. It's confusing. So Mike immediately calls, confronts Brian, and Brian starts having a really hard time keeping his facts straight and starts like kind of changing his stories and stuff. After a while, though, Brian just completely stops responding to any calls or emails from Mike. So Which Mike does get the visual of him throwing his phone, the <laughs> Zach Morris phone. That's our way of knowing he doesn't respond anymore but instead of slamming it down on the ground like people do in the movies or throwing Mm -hmm. it across the room he lobs it up in the air 
and then it comes down to earth. It was the weirdest way to throw a phone. If he had thrown it in Lake Babine. Yeah, that would have been much better. I would have liked that. So maybe they couldn't film at the lake again. I don't know what happened exactly. Um, So Mike does what he should have done from the beginning and starts running a background check on Brian Richards. He must not have invested that much money. I can't think it was like a million dollars. It's a timeshare. So how much is a timeshare? $50,000? No, but this is the investment to build the timeshare. Is it? So he will own a piece of all of it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, Or it's like you're a ground member, a a groundbreaking member, whatever. So So maybe you do own like stakes in it or something. Now, your parents own a timeshare, correct? Uh, yes, they sold it, but yeah. How did it work? Did they, they owned that actual timeshare or did they own the property that the timeshare was on with a bunch of other people? It was like a Marriott thing. So like they owned two weeks from every year they could go to any of those locations. Right. And so it's not the actual property. That's a little bit different. Okay. So that's through the Marriott. That makes sense. That's a very cool deal because that means you can pick multiple locations. You're not just that one place. Interesting. Okay. So he tries to do a background check and both his lawyer, so Mike's lawyer, Mike Polito's lawyer and the other investor that had called him furious, both of their lawyers look into Brian Richards and they find nothing. So I wrote, we'll see, because they totally leave that storyline and go back to Smithers. Mm. So back in Smithers, Brian starts behaving really, really weird. Um, He starts going missing for weeks at a time. And when he does show up, like at the gym, he looks really, really bad. And we find out he's wearing a lot of cologne to cover his body odor, which made me sad. And I wrote, is he homeless? I thought he was homeless, too, at that point. But we see him in a home. We do. He's just not taking care of himself, which also made me think drugs. Maybe his home he has given up on because it looked all shoddy. Like it it was had Mm -hmm. just empty alcohol bottles everywhere. It looks like a a slum house. So maybe it has no more running water. That's why he smells bad. Oh, it could. Okay, there we go. So it's water was shut off because he can't pay any of his Mm -hmm. bills. So now we go back to Mike Polito. Thank you. Very much for that. That's not very recap friendly. I don't like it when they do that. So back in the U.S., Mike Polito hires Brian Dancy, private investigator. Dancy quickly calls Pastor Don and. Who's like so excited to be back in the story. Pastor Don is now more worried than ever that there is physical harm that's going to be done to him. Really worried about it. Now it's just now it's a very it's almost reality. He like literally implies that I don't even think he implies. I think he says I was worried there might be a hit out on me. Yes. It's so it's who told you that? Here's the thing is that I don't know who to be mad at Pastor Don or mad that the reenactment does not denote the seriousness of the situation. But I still feel like the situation around town was not as serious as Pastor Don thought wanted it to be. It's just not. The show wanted it to stay lighthearted, and the real pastor kept trying to bring it down in his interview scenes, and they were like, oh, got to lighten this up. But he kept talking about there was a hit on his life. He felt like his life was in danger. I think he really wanted to be on a different show. I think so. This is like the one ID show that, well, a lot of them are snarky and funny. 
There, but there are some that are super dark, like Evil Lives Here. I have stopped watching Evil Lives Here. I had to stop because of Game of Thrones, but regardless. I... Yeah, it's dark. Your Worst Nightmare is really dark. Fear Thy Neighbor is also very dark sometimes. But like there are other ones that are more lighthearted. Southern Fried Homicide. It's in the title. That's how you can tell if it's going to be dark or not sometimes. So the duo who I have coined Pastor Don and Dancy, which could definitely be a show. No, because Dancy does not want to be friends with Pastor Don. No, but Pastor Don needs to maybe leave the pulpit. He needs yeah, to he leave does. the he needs He's, to leave the church. Certain and people go. should not have power. No. And it Kimberly, I think what we're seeing is a cry for help. He is craving excitement in his life. Get yourself out there, Pastor Don. Go be a PI with Dancy. I think he is not ever grown up from being like the nerdy kid at school. He just no. wants to be popular so badly, and he's not going to be one of the popular kids. And he's so sad about it. Really sad because it's like it's so. Also, you're blatantly obvious how triggered he is by <laughs> Brian Richards. It's like, oh, cool guy comes in with the windmill <laughs> high fives, and like he thinks it's Top Gun all over again. He's never been Maverick, and finally he was Maverick. And he's not Maverick anymore because Brian Richards is there with a, and he's a DJ. So you know what you do? You become friends. You become Richie Cunningham, and you become friends with the Fonz, and then you get some of the the glow from his spotlight. You know, because you're best friends with him. Instead, you decide to like take him on and try to, you know, put Caprese salad in Toby's drawer and try to frame (laughs) him for something. He outchurched him and caprese him. So Pastor Don and Dancy meet up and decide to go after Brian Richards. I don't know. Not really. Really, Pastor Don can't do anything, but he meets. He's like very involved in the planning. This is when his bulletin board post-it of <laughs> Brian question mark is going to come into play. Um, meanwhile, the station manager for. Like, so, so here's what I have. I know you're a private investigator. I have his name written on a piece of paper with a question mark. Does that help at all? What does this mean to you? <laughs> I wrote it. it. So so the station manager down at KRPPYA, British Columbia, pulls the plug on the Christian power, our passion for the Christ due to unpayment of bills. It's a big far fall for Brian Richards. I don't know what happened. He has like he had one thing go wrong with a client for the timeshare and just everything falls apart. His house of cards is not. He broke his phone. He couldn't make any <laughs> no. more deals. That's true. And he can't pay his gym membership or his mm-hmm. his uh, power hour membership. So P.I. Dancy starts keeping eyes all the time on Brian. And by keeping eyes on him, what we're seeing in the reenactment activate is Dancy, who's in his 60s, pulling a gun walking around this house in the woods, like kind of peeking in the windows. But like, why? and Hutch. Do you need a gun? You don't need a gun for this man. Well, he's been talking to the other pastor who thinks his life is in danger. So he believed him. And he's like, there might be a hit out on this guy. I don't know. Are we also thinking that Pastor Don is saying things like, I heard that he's bringing weapons over the border. I've heard. Do you think that Pastor Don is feeding Dancy information that's crazy? That's what I think. So um, he, but there comes word from somewhere, hopefully not Pastor Don, that Brian Richards is about to leave town. He is feeling 
basically pushed out of town because now everyone either thinks he's weird and smelly or mm-hmm. um, a criminal. At this point, with Dancy walking around the house with gun drawn, absolutely nothing happens. I have no idea why. It's completely anticlimactic. We not there's no standoff at the house. Yeah. Brian's inside like packing a duffel and like looking around and kind of being weird. But that the amount of empty liquor bottles on the floor is so funny. Also, is he a is he a drinker? Like someone threw a ketchup bottle at the wall and there's like ketchup on one of the cabinets. What? Is he an alcoholic? Can we get he, some? I think that they're implying with, and no one says it, but he is massively an alcoholic at this point. Like just bottles, like literally when he's walking, you hear bottle noises because he's like wading through. It's like a sea of But them. I'm saying, is that a true thing? Because then can we get one person saying, because what I expected the woman to say who was, said he was wearing a lot of cologne was that it smelled it's, a little I bit thought, sweet like booze. Right. I thought he was going to say yes. Yeah, we didn't get that. We don't know. That might have been the choice the show made. <sighs> okay, well, all right. So at this point, Dancy leaves the house, put, holsters his gun, gets out of there, and goes to get some help from the Mounties. Thank God. But he's because he thinks he's going to leave any minute, so he leaves the house unsupervised. Oh, no, I'm sure it's not unsupervised. I'm sure that Pastor Don, we, they probably cut this part because it was illegal for Dancy to give Pastor Don his gun. But you know Pastor Don is sitting in his whatever, his Chevrolet out in the front yard, just with the gun, just white knuckle in it. Waiting for a phone call. Can I shoot him? Can I shoot? No, I never said. Like he took the, he totally took the bullets out of it, but he gave it to him just to make him feel like a big boy. That's exactly right. He did take the bullets out. Smart thinking, Dancy. Mm -hmm. So Dancy goes to the Mounties. Um, We get to meet a Mountie. That didn't look like what a Mountie I thought would look like, but I was a, he, fa- he looked strong. He looked he looked right to me, but I think when I think of a Mountie, I think I think of a very specific person, a little bit like um, I feel like a Mountie should look like what's his name from Downton Abbey, the guy who's bad that goes off to war. He's a servant, Thomas. I feel like in my head, that's what all Mounties look like. Thomas from Downton Abbey. I'm googling Thomas because I forgot Thomas. Uh, he's the one that like, he does a lot of bad things and he is gay. Yes. Oh, he's, but he's super hot. But he's kind of like an interesting hot. Do you know what I'm saying? He's very distinguished looking to me. That's what I picture. Oh, he's the Mounties so hot. look like. Thomas? Is he? Yeah. So oh. hot. He's I thought you would beautiful. love Matthew. You don't love Matthew? I figured you would be a totally Matthew person. You don't love Matthew? Oh, I have such a crush on Thomas. I forgot about that. Oh, not Matthew, though. Then we feel bad for him because he tries to come out and it's very sad. But he gets a really good ending. I like Thomas. Yeah, I guess I like Matthew, too. I thought you would love Matthew. No, I really like Thomas. Okay. And you don't like Henry Cavill, but you like Thomas. That makes no sense. I'm okay. full of enigmas. Yeah, you are. I don't know what to tell you. So I like what I like. Don't like you like Ryan Ferguson and not Henry Cavill. That's bizarre. So they go to the he when Dancy goes to the Mounties, he basically just flops a mountain of paperwork on his desk about the fraudulent time sharing and the selling. 
But for some reason, the Mounties have to gather their own evidence. They can't just take the evidence being given to them, which is annoying, but it made sense to me as well that they have to they have to find all this you on their own. You can't just go arrest someone on the word of some private investigator. Even though they have a mountain of paperwork. Well, right, no, he you was would... just saying, I have to at least read this file before I go arrest him. But the Mountie says, but I'm being told that there's a time limit and that he's going to leave town. So there is a shortcut to get him arrested, which is he is American and he has overstayed his welcome because he came more than six months ago. So he was supposed to return to the United States and he's still in Canada so they can get him on immigration. Which is like, how is this pastor who's been fearing for his life and obsessed with him never like thought of this in this whole time? Maybe he's the one who thought of it and told the PI, but he could have thought of this a long time ago. I think that if he had thought of it and told the P.I., we would have heard that from the pastor. You're right. He would have said, I told the P.I. They also may have just cut him off at a certain point. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Our light just broke, so we are going to call it a wrap. We will reschedule with you for next week. If you don't hear from us, the show has been canceled. (laughs) I hope that he switched careers. I hope that we find out that he, first of all, moved out of that little town is living in Vancouver and has started his own PI firm with Dancy. I hope he takes a long, hard look in the mirror. Do you think he wrote a book? Because I think that he yes, is either trying. <laughs> 1000%. I think he wrote a book about his ordeal. Yeah. Which was, he had a rivalry with another guy who turned out to be fake. You don't write a book about that. Oh. Why are we so judgmental of this man? What but is we it both called? thought the, the exact same thing. The devil in the details? The devil in my town? What is it called? Yeah. Perpetrator in the pew. Shaded eyes, many lies. Okay, I'll think about it. Hold on. I'll, it's got to be something that he like, he, and you know he did like a whiteboard of titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then had um, poor whatever, his past other pastor Derek come over. The devil and, like, in plain sight. The devil in clergy robes. Yeah, the de- they didn't. He didn't wear robes. Though. A ministry of evil. They out there. Yeah, okay. that's good. So, finally, Brian Richards is arrested in his boxer shorts. Um, they say no that he was hoopla, a- no danger to no guns were drawn. And I bet they showed up there with a full Mountie crew. Yeah, like, and then we're like, oh, this guy's 15 officers not a on horseback. And he, like, comes out. He's got, like, a bottle of Jack. And he's like, hey. Um, not a threat to anyone. Not a bit. Um, and he's trying to sweet talk him. So he's telling the in the police interview, he's saying it's all a big misunderstanding. You, you know, I'm, I don't, this was just... Don't worry about it. Somebody is talking bad about who knows. Um, But regardless, they take his prints down at the station or whatever it's called in Canada. The squad room. I don't know. The the Mountie station. Yeah, maybe because it's a ranger station. So they take his prints, send them off to the FBI and they come back as someone, not Brian Richards, but Richard Brian Menard. It's at this point. That we are shown an actual picture of Richard Brian Menard. Yeah. And I wrote, what the WWF? <laughs> yeah, he does look like a WWF. He, that guy was right. He looks exactly like that with curly, curly hair. Like how, or stern hair. And a what? 
the chains and the mullet. Full mullet. Yeah. It's a Curly mullet. mullet. Yeah. It's a Why mullet. wouldn't you have him in a mullet wig? Yeah, I don't know. A curly mullet wig. He looks like Gene Simmons on steroids. With a mullet. With a mullet. Yeah. yeah. But he and also a perm, looked a big. Yeah, he looks huge. That's what he I'm didn't, saying. But Steroids. he didn't look muscular to me. He looked large. We're only seeing a few inches of his chest, but... His face looked large. His face looked large. The glasses are not at all the glasses that we've seen in the reenactment. They're, they're ovals, like little black ovals those with wire frames. Those glasses in another picture. So they did get those from somewhere because in one of the magazine or newspaper articles, he has those 70s glasses. You're 100% right. So I ate my words later after I wrote this. But here's what I thought was weird is that these are clearly the glasses that they're, he's wearing when he meets Mike Polito. Because when Mike Polito describes him, he said he's wearing these like drug dealer glasses, you know, the wire rimmed fin. He said like real fin. And I was like, huh? And I was like, aviators? Because that's what I was confused about. Because I feel like if you were going to describe the glasses that he's actually wearing in the reenactment, they are like the gradient lens, large mm-hmm. frame glasses. Mm-hmm. But he said wire rim small. And I'm like, John Lennon? Like, and that's kind of what he's wearing, right, in black. Um, so, And also, the picture that they're showing of him, he's in the glasses again. How did he get glasses into his mugshot? Does he have a problem with his eyes? Is he like big he as with wearing, the neck? No, he wasn't wearing them in his mugshot, was he? That's the in the picture that we're shown of him, which I'm assuming is his mugshot, he has the glasses on. With the dark lenses? Dark lenses. So what I'm thinking is they are his reading glasses with transitions. Because we do see no, him later. No, I don't later. believe that they had transitions then. Yeah, they did. They did? In the 90s. My friend had them. I will never forget it. Oh, okay. Because of how weird I thought they were. <laughs> I, I eat my words. Mm-hmm. But I went to high school in 2000s, so maybe I'm wrong. But if Let's they were transitions, <laughs> then he wouldn't. <laughs> but if they were transitions and he was inside a police station, wouldn't they be or they they're turning themselves on because the light? Yeah, because they're sh- they have huge lights on you. But I still feel like they'd make him remove them. But Canada, man, I don't no, know. But this that mugshot was from the United States, I think. Then I have no idea what the heck is happening or that's not a mugshot. That's like a passport photo. That might have been his wanted photo or something. In sunglasses. Maybe. Well, they want you to appear like you normally appear because that's how that's people would see you. But he looks, regardless, he looks nothing like the reenactment actor. I was shocked when I saw that's him. That's why like, I'm oh. saying they must have really wanted that actor for some reason. He's a nephew. He's a nephew casting. But why wouldn't they put him in a curly wig? A really curly wig. It, yeah, like a permed wig. Correct. He has a permed mullet. But this wig looks like it Jesus. was curled with a curling iron. Right. It looks like like he's going Real to Housewives. Yeah. Like a blowout. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm confused. Anyways, so the prince, obviously, Richard Brian Menard, the prince show he's on the run from the law. He skipped bail. He skipped bail on charges of grand theft, larceny, fraud, forgery, and domestic violence. I don't like that. Um he has multiple names in the U.S., three ex-wives, some kids, a few kids out there, and some lady, one of his ex-wives, Anita, um, still keeps his name. Her name is Anita Menard, and we get to talk to her, and she seems just fine. She does. She seems lovely. 
Well, like we would hang out. We were like on a cruise with her. We would sit at a table and talk I liked to her. her. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, she's good people and probably like has like a specialty something. She probably makes something really good like dip. She's a dip person. So she says that when they first met her and Richard Brian Menard, she was just been divorced. Um, we see pictures. Still the mullet. It's a little more intense because he's a little thinner. So maybe it's a little bigger. And then the bigger glasses. That's when we're seeing the big like mm-hmm. 70s fear and loathing glasses. And she thought that he was literally the answer to her prayers. But everything that he ended up telling her was a lie. He was always reinventing himself, always starting over. He would screw people over and then change who he was completely again. And go to a different small town. Right. Then we get an interview with the actual Richard Brian Menard, or we get to see an interview that he did with a Canadian television station. He's a really good talker. I wasn't Uh, impressed. But I I had already watched an hour about what a scam artist he was. So I probably can't make that assumption. Probably not. That I would I have known if I had just met him on the street? No. Maybe not. I'm saying that if we were on the cruise with Anita and Richard Brian mm-hmm. Menard. We would think they were a fun couple. We would think they were fun. But I might think he was a bit of a blowhard, and I don't like that. And he might goose her on the butt. Yeah. That, that I kind do of enjoy. Goosing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that he would definitely try to get us to buy one of his timeshares. Joke's on him. Yeah, joke's on him. We are podcasters, sir. And he'd be like, what is a podcaster? It is the year 1996. That's true. What's a podcaster? I have the power hour of Christ. Can I come on your podcast? No, sir. (laughs) Um, Different. So he's he's good. He says he's not a pathological liar, but he's a very, very good storyteller. He's very smooth. I get it. I see that he's able to talk. And then he says, that's just what God made me to be. So he doesn't really feel bad about his crimes because he thinks that God wanted him to commit the crimes. He's still talking about God. He's still like the, oh, yeah. the Christianity thing is not a fake with him. He's he's a Christian. Yeah. And he thinks I'm doing the best. He kind of thinks he's the best Christian because he's spreading the word of Jesus 24 seven. They don't really ask him specifically about like, but the crimes of fraud and you took innocent people for their money. That the way they don't get into in that interview. I think after we're done with all these imposters, we should do a ranking. Okay. But I so much prefer the the jewel thief because at least he was just kind of like in his interview. Yeah, he's a little smarmy, but he's just like, I enjoyed myself. I had a great time. He's not trying to be better. He's like, no, I did terrible things. I totally frauded all these hotels. It was hilarious. Yeah. It's more like, do you know, it's that kind of attitude, which I kind of, you're, he's scarier to me because I'm like, oh, there's, ooh. Yeah. But. This is but I can respect the, the honesty. This is like... And he, the cockiness. He's lying to himself. Richard Menard has like convinced himself, again, with these murderers, that like, God forgives me, so it's okay. It's still not okay. Right. You've ruined people's lives. Right. Also, where are all these children that you... He has, in one of the pictures, he's wearing a hat that says, world's best dad. Exactly. Yeah, where, where are, are your children that you've abandoned in towns across the United States? God wanted him to do that. Yeah. P.I. Dancy returns to the house because Mike Polito, I think, is just I think Mike Polito is probably paid P, uh, private investigator Dancy as much as he paid 
Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the timeshare to try to get any information. Returns to the house to try to see if he has any assets. And I'm like, what, like gold bars? What do you think yeah, you're going to find assets? there? Is there a safe with like... That's what I'm thinking is that they think they're going to old find... Old war bonds? What do you think is going to be there? Well, the, I think that they're probably thinking if he's a con man, maybe he is indeed also in possession of some things, some items. Um but all that's left behind, they said, is a box of colored jock straps. I don't like that. And I don't like the term jock strap. And I don't like what no. they are. But that's why this show is funny because they include stuff like that because they're being cheeky. Mm-hmm. So Richard Brian Menard is sent back to the U.S. to serve his time. Of course, he serves five months. That's insane. Defrauded a rich guy. So, so many rich guys. <laughs> no, two rich guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had all these other charges. Yeah. All of these other charges. <gasps> You're right. Towns across America, she said he did this. It's kind of crazy. So here's what I think happened. He so, probably stole from churches. See, that's what's weird is I feel like he could have gotten a much bigger racket going with, like, using a church angle instead of going into the timeshares. He would have had a better job doing the music. He he's the Christian version of the music man. Where he goes to the new town, says, I'm going to give you all musical instruments and uniforms, and I'm going to teach you how to play. But he doesn't know how to play. Yeah. I need to watch The Music Man again. Is That's what actually happens, is that he can't play? Yeah, he doesn't know how to play. Yes, yeah. I, I've only seen it, like, twice. I'll write it down. Did, did you watch Oklahoma? No. If you watch Oklahoma, I'll watch Music Man. Okay. Is yeah. it available online somewhere? Like offhand, I don't have like. Yeah, like, yeah it's on Netflix, and so uh, he serves his five months, and then he gets five years probation in a halfway house. So now is where we're getting to those bottles. So if he's serving five years in a halfway house, it's because of a drug or an alcohol problem. So I don't mm. know why they didn't tell us that, but there's definitely a problem, or he wouldn't be in a halfway house it's because he's in some sort of sober living facility. I don't know why they didn't just tell us. Um, but why did he only get 10 months? Five it's months. Still just five months. Five months? Yeah, because five years probation is in a halfway house. Even though you're living in a halfway house, is still you have your complete freedom. You have to be home at a certain time, but really you're f- free to get a job and do whatever and get married and do whatever you want. That's crazy. I guess you're free to get married in prison too, but yeah, whatever. So Mike, at this Polito, is just out the money. He's never going to get it back. And he's to make some joke about not being able to write it off. And I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, man. I'm... But also, like, follow Tawny's gut. Tawny knew. Should have listened to Tawny. Should have listened to Hashtag. Tawny. Believe all Tawnies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brian Richards says that he's all good in God's eyes. He thinks that, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know. Um, <laughs> six years after leaving the halfway house, though, he died. He died of cancer, and I was really... But with a hot young girlfriend. So we'll get to that. This is why I was confused. I didn't understand why they were telling us. I was like, why are they telling us that he died? This is a weird thing. They really could have left it with just, like, his interview and been done no, with it. No, because I feel like the people would have wanted to know. Or they could have just... You're saying they could have just done it on the screen. Like, six years later, he died. Yeah. That's why I was confused. Like, I felt like it was... I see what you're saying. Why, why we didn't... I was not there? expecting the last con, which is what we get in as he died. But the um, last con is not what I thought it was going to be. 
I think the last comment might be what you think it is, and we just don't hear that. So let's see if you're right, and it's what I'm thinking too. Okay, what happens is I honestly, at first, when they told us that he died, <laughs> I thought it was warning against a big breakfast. I was like, was it the was it Potato Mountain? Like, was Potato Mountain what did it? Bacon. Four pounds of four different meats that like were sitting on the table. Um, no. They, they're telling us this because one person came to his funeral and it was his new girlfriend who's this young, in the reenactment, she's this young girl. She basically looks like a young version of Anita, the wife we met. Um, the thing that's weird is that, or not weird, the bizarre last con that he pulls is he was given a military send-off at his funeral, which means she gets the flag and they play... taps you know it's the whole thing but no there's no record of him ever of him ever having served yeah he didn't serve so my thought was that it was a benefits fraud for her oh that's smart no i thought because at one point she's looking and there's a man on the other side of the coffin and i was like i thought they were gonna cut across and it was gonna be him wearing a trench coat and a hat he wasn't really dead he faked his death do you think that's true like, yeah. do we think he's a way better con man than he actually is? Because yeah, that guy in the first story, the hotel guy that we covered, he could have faked his own death, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't believe Brian could have faked his own death. But that's what I thought they were going to say his final con was. In my head in the first story, the first guy is kind of like Jet Li. And I know he's not, but I'm picturing this cross between Aladdin and Jet Li. And he can, like, jump from rooftop to rooftop in London. That didn't happen. But, like, that's what I'm kind of picturing. One step ahead of the... (laughs) He's a cat burglar. He's like Cary Grant in uh, To Catch a Thief. Or like uh, Michael Caine in Gambit. Mm -hmm. But, no, that, that didn't happen. I like that he's still alive. Let's go with that. But this was our second installment of Imposters. And I hope you guys are liking these because they're super fun. Yeah, we like them. Yeah, I really like and them. And I, I want, give us suggestions. People keep, keep giving us suggestions. I think of the more serious ID shows. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the fun stuff with the fun reenactments and the fun interviews and the good, exciting, fun, crazy, bonkers stories. Just to switch it up a little bit. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special edition of Double Date with Dateline. Watch the episode. I'm going to post a picture on our social media. Yeah, watch the episode. Of the guy with the wig and the sunglasses. It's fun. But you have to watch for the spying scenes. Maybe I'll post a scene of clip of the spying as well because it's also real quick to get through just watch the whole thing these are really fun i hope they do more in this series they probably won't i hope they're all as good as these two have been we'll see yeah thanks for everybody stay safe bye